Right, here we go, guys. Welcome to the Social Distancing Podcast. I'm Amit. Uh, around the mics today, we've got Gurmi. Evening, gents. Oobs. Good day to everybody. And Dips. Hello. Otherwise known as the usual crew. Um, so today we're discussing well-being. And because uh, because this topic is quite a sensitive topic, um, we wanted to get our friend involved um, into the conversation. Ian, um, is a, as a people manager, uh, has supported and coached uh, people in a number of um, issues relating to well-being. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shut up, hand over to Ian for a bit more of an introduction, tell us you know, how we got into the area, um, so on and so forth. So Ian, welcome to the social distance thing. Thank you, guys. Thank you for uh, having me on. Uh, obviously, we're friends, so uh, we know each other. But um, when I heard about kind of the well-being podcast you were doing, I was I was hoping I might get the invite. So thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, as as Amit said, 15 years in, uh, in people management, um, managed a, a whole range of, of, of different people uh, that have come across different well-being challenges, um, ranging from something real simple like having to move a desk, which when you work in an office can be mind blowing for a lot of people. Uh, they don't like doing that. Um, right to the opposite end of the spectrum where um, people are really suffering and, and dealing with issues of depression uh, and potential thoughts of self-harm and in some cases actually kind of trying to act on that. So uh, yeah, it's been an interesting 15 years. It's part of the job that I really enjoy in terms of helping and supporting people through that and pointing them in the right direction. Um, so yeah, I'm just hoping that I can kind of bring some value and we share some of the hints and tips that I've used over the years so that for listeners, they can try and uh, try and practice those and put those into their lives. Yeah, I think I think you, I think you guys will agree with me when I say that when we're talking about this, it's good to have you on board because of his skill set and obviously his experience. Um, yeah. So just setting the scene a little bit as to you know why we want to discuss this. Uh, yes, of course, it's very topical, but at the same time, um, I think that w- particularly with men discussing well-being, um, physical or mental, there's always a stigma attached to it, and. Um, it impacts everyone, so, I, so it's you know it's a conversation that everyone should have. So COVID, I think, and, and, and as a group, I'm sure we'd all agree that COVID is actually um, and the lockdown um, has actually made this conversation a bit more relevant to everyone because everyone may have um, gone through a specific or different journey. So I think it's safe to say that well-being is at the top of our personal people's agendas, but also the professional agenda. Um, would you guys agree with that? Have, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I think I think um, I think it's in some ways it's um, brought about a, a much bigger conversation. Um, I think that well-being has started to trend, and, and there's been more conversations. Workplaces are doing a lot more, um, but but I think with what's happened and, and the kind of the uncertainty when you think back to the start of March and people start to get a real sense of something was about to change for for quite some time and quite significantly. Um, uh, yeah, lots of people reacted differently, um, but most people kind of, it was the uncertainty that people didn't know about or weren't sure about, and that's what made it really, really hard for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have to agree with that. And it was, it was a case of anxiety, wasn't it? A lot of people were, um, mm. it was the unknown, and that caused a lot of anxiety. And um, that, you could see that throughout um, the younger generation, and then the older generation had their own anxieties, and then obviously the people from my generation as well they they had anxiety and right through it all from um, actually catching something um not having seen their family and 
their, their jobs and work, etc. So, yeah, it's been it's been a strange time, definitely. Yeah, I agree. It's I think, um, I think um, obviously um, the, the situation that we're in is completely new, and you know the, the sort of uh, you know the, the dystopian concepts of like you know a global pandemic and stuff is not something that you know we've ever experienced in our lifetime, apart from you know science fiction. So um, it definitely was um, a period of time where. Uh, you know, it was just that unknown that basically uh, yeah. really daunted everyone. I think. Yeah. Did it? Did it? I don't know about you guys. Did anyone feel a sense of like a little bit giddy as well? At it all? <laughs> yeah, giddy, giddy? How? No, no. Like, stick with me here, right? It's, it's because <laughs> yeah, giggly and giddy is. Um, I definitely cast the same thing. Yeah, both. Uh, the reason the reason why I'm saying that is it because it was kind of like. Shit, man, this is some shit going down, isn't it? It's exciting. It's almost like the same feeling as excitement, yeah. although it's it is it's got a really obviously it's doom and gloom kind of um, wrapped around it. But at the same time, yeah. you're, you're like, damn, shit. Like Ubi said, it's you never really see stuff like this. Um, yeah. You yeah. see it. Like yeah, I think I, I, know, I kind of know where you're coming from, girls, because um, <laughs> whether it's something that. Um, it's kind of by second nature or you know by profession you know i'm a change professional right so for me it's all about working in uncertain circumstances right and embracing change but your point about being giggly i I definitely saw that as a as an opportunity to try and just see what what i'm made of see what my family's made of yeah Um, i'm sure we'll talk about some of the coping things that um we kind of used to get through this but um definitely an opportunity to kind of put some of those to test and just just put up a big mirror and say right okay this this is what's happening how am I going to deal with it for me for my yeah. family for my friends so I, I was a bit I wouldn't go so far as saying giggly <laughs> 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 it, yeah it, excited perhaps but um yeah I think it's a, it's a fair I mean point. some of some of our listeners might know what might not know what giggly actually means and um, the definition of it, but I, I suppose it's it's um, it's a, it's an excite a feeling of excitement, isn't it? And um, <laughs> feeling very very giggly about things. So yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that. So um, for this, I was looking at some um, office of national statistics um, data, and the, their graphs are too intelligent for me to start to, you know, uh, draw conclusions on. So essentially the, 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 the highlight for me, or one of the, one of the, one of the top lines was our day-to-day emotions like giggly or giddy, i.e. happiness and anxiety is one Germs mentioned earlier on. Since mm. lockdown started um, to, to the beginning um, of uh, July, um, they've improved, um, you know, our, our emotions relating to, you know, how we're going to get through this and how we're going to, um, you, you know, uh, come out of this. So I guess we've adapted as a society or as or as individuals or as with our families, we've just adapted, yeah. right? That's that's what's happened as we just adapt mm-hmm. to it and, and just can continue with it. But interestingly, um, one in four of us uh, expects it'll take over a year for us to get back to some type of normality or a normal, whatever that might be, which is mm. quite a long period of time—a year. So, I personally 
think that as we were mentioning off offline you know google have said to a lot of their uh, employees you know next year june july you know return to offices i think it was um, wow. you know we've been told that you know come to the office but only if it's absolutely necessary otherwise work mm. from home you've got the devices there and i'm sure it's mm. the same for all of us really regardless yeah. of what industry we're in interesting start that about the air because think about it right we're already i don't know when the start point is but let's say it's middle of march you know we're already almost four months into that year yeah mm. you know when you think about how time's flown um august right it's august from two days time so mm. we're one quarter of the way through that year kind of expectation of as you say yeah. getting back to some degree of normality yeah, yeah. And, I, and i think and I, and I think that's why to some extent some people have struggled with it because the vast majority of people are impatient and they want things especially the site we're living now where you can go on your phone yeah. and pretty get anything you know you can go on amazon and get something delivered tomorrow so that extends itself into something like this where you know i was saying to my guys at work that you know we can't predict the timeline but we're looking at least the back end of this year and people kind of were surprised and, and some traps kind of were even kind of joking about that thinking that i've kind of uh, just kind of put that from from nowhere but um when you looked at kind of some of the stats that you just referred to Amit, and some of the other numbers that are out there this wasn't going to be something that was gonna uh that was gonna it wasn't gonna be like SARS which burned itself out which is why it didn't last as long as COVID that kind of just exhausted itself and disappeared whereas with this it's not it's acting in a different way so the signs were there that it was going to be longer so I think that if anybody's still in a place where they still think it's going to be you know over by the end of the summer then that's, that's potentially going to cause people real problems because they're going to get to the end of the summer and we're still going to be in a, in a, in a similar situation and you know, it could be that we end up in local lockdowns like we've seen in, in some areas of the country. Um, so yeah, mm. I think that um, for those people that kind of maybe grasped that earlier, those one in four that understood that maybe this is, this is going to be a long game rather than a short game, they're probably, from a wellbeing perspective, probably in a better place than those that were hoping it was going to be done in a few weeks, but are now mm. slowly coming to the realisation that, you know, yeah. it's going to be pro- probably end of the year, maybe next year. Mm. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think there is an element of... Um, you know, expect the worst and, and you know, hope for the best about that as well because, you know, I think from what we're seeing, um, I think, uh, you know, going back to what Kevin was saying about, you know, feeling a bit elated, well, not elated, but, you know, sort of excited about the prospect. Giggly was the term. <laughs> giggly. Yeah, yeah, giggly was the term, yeah. Um, I think, uh, for me personally, I think uh, the, the fear factor came in um, simply because we haven't seen anything like this before. Mm. Um, our, our lives have never been affected like this before. And, yeah. you know, to sort of believe that, you know, the system, you know, societal systems that are in place to keep, you know, order and stuff, uh, you know, ultimately it's at times like this when it gets tested the most. So mm. I think yeah. for me personally, that's that's where the fear element came in. Yeah. And, and, also, and also, even if we're, you know, even if the vast majority of us are fit and healthy, we've all got family and friends that, you know, might be susceptible. And I'm sure everyone yeah. has known somebody that she, that's been shielding. So even mm-hmm. though you might not be fearing for yourself so much, you definitely might be fearful for somebody that's really close to you that you love and that you fear losing. Uh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. if, you know, if they were to get the virus, then, you know, it tends to be a really bad situation for people. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree with, with that. Um, I think an important question also, just picking up on what everyone has said, is in terms of, you know, the last four months, last four and a half months, 
um, how we found it um, individually or or, or, as, or as you know family men or as fam- uh, how we found it like for example um, me personally first first week or two you know was giggly um, but then <laughs> I, I, I found myself just you know um, in, in in a sense of groundhog day almost and then it, and then I had to essentially get myself into a routine so since I'll say since the second or third week of lockdown, I've, I've developed a routine which involves obviously, you know, logging in, starting work, doing some form of physical exercise, um, you know, and then from a social perspective, obviously we were limited. So then I've, I've had more Zoom FaceTimes with friends and family from a social perspective um, to, to an extent where I've probably had video call fatigue um, because you do it at work, yeah. then you come off from work, you do it with your family and friends. Um, you know, I've cook, I've learned how to cook well. I mean, that, <laughs> that, that's 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 pretty broadly. Beans on toast. I've made a couple. Of, yeah, I've made a couple of dishes here and there, but that's probably a different conversation. But I mean, that, that's my personal like, um, you know, um, experience of the last four months. Have have we found ourselves like? Have we had to, you know, carve out a routine for for, for yourselves? So for me. Um, what I'm trying to reflect on is what, how much has actually changed from my day-to-day life, right? So, so let me kind of tell you what I mean. So um, I think about it from a professional perspective, not a lot changed other than having to go to the office and commute, which I didn't like doing anyway, right? From a work perspective, actually what I'm doing, um, I work with teams all over the world anyway. So do I see them? No. So from a work perspective, it doesn't really change. I, I still continue with WebExes, with conference calls, and that kind of stuff. The benefit is, like I've mentioned, I cut out that commute, which I which I hated. Yeah. Um, from a physical perspective, I'm talking about the gym, for example. Um, again, there was a change, but um, for me, I saw it as an opportunity because I needed to refresh my, my gym regime anyway. Hmm. I was getting to a point where I was getting mentally, mentally and physically fatigued. So, you know, it was about time that I shifted it doing a different sort of fitness, more running, more yoga, more resistance band stuff, that kind of stuff. Um, so I definitely saw that as an opportunity. I think the one thing that I did kind of take a bit of time to get to grips with was a social element. Um, I think some of you will know that in the lead up to, to lockdown, we were smashing it hard. You know, we had meals at the Ivy Books that we went to. We had a Vimal's birthday, for example, which was absolutely large. Yeah. So we were getting into a routine where we had a circle of friends, we knew what we liked, and we were smashing it like you would not believe. And for that to suddenly come to a standstill was a bit of a... That, for me, is where I kind of felt the biggest kind of impact and biggest change. Mm. That was almost your release and your... Yeah, uh, um, yeah you, after a hard day's work or a week of hard work, you'd go and have a few drinks with your friends. Um, so, yeah, I feel you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it was it was like like I said already. I spent the first week um, just organising myself because and getting giddy because you're like oh the, you you know your work you you your work's going right. You have to work from home. No one in tomorrow, and you're like oh, shit. Um, and you, and you're really giddy, and then your home life as well. So I've got three daughters and wife, and we're we're all kind of trying to organise ourselves around each other. Like, what are we going to do? And, you know, we're watching the news and WhatsApps, you know, all the family and everything. We're all going to lockdown. We're shutting everything down. Um, so that kind of week off 
excitement and trying to organize everything went really quick and then after that that's when you actually the realization kicks in and you're like shit my mum mum has to self-isolate now she's not seeing any of her granddaughters or grandsons and her kids basically so she's gone totally into isolation um because she she's classed as vulnerable so yeah it was um it was it was it was a very strange couple of weeks but i think that change and that trying to get into a routine really helped um and 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 that's that's what we did um and i can't take all the credit for it i've got um wifey basically did a lot of the stuff and organized a lot of the things and i kind of sat back and just watched most most of the time <laughs> <laughs> as you do right as you do you as you do mate for, for me, your your first night clap was for your missus, not for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, I have to give hats off to her. Honestly, she she absolutely absolutely smashed it. She's running a business, looking after three girls and sort of homeschooling them, um, and and you know and looking after looking after me essentially as well. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm not doing shit. Ami, can we, um, yeah, yeah. when we go live with this, can we edit this bit out? Because he's making us look bad. For not, <laughs> for not shouting out to our wife. No, no, no. Yeah. Keep this yeah. bit in. It's going to win me brownie points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want Amin to come knocking on my door so that it's staying in there. <laughs> <laughs> if this is applied to get your password tomorrow, Gums, I applaud you. <laughs> Why? What's going on tomorrow, guys? Oh, I don't okay. even know. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, um, firstly, well, first and foremost, no, I think Amit has been far too modest about his enhanced cooking skills and all that. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen some of the WhatsApp pictures. He's definitely on that, that mission land ladder now. Uh, yeah. Lots of, um, lots of truffle, <laughs> lots of yeah. truffle. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, pitmaster, you know. Um, but I think, uh, I think it, Personally speaking, any time that you know I can sort of preempt that I'm going to be in sort of any sort of personal strife, you know, I think my uh, my plan of attack is always to get a level of organisation in place, uh, be that through physical activity and just routines through the day. So obviously, when when lockdown happened, I was still working and I was still um, I started working from home, but I didn't I didn't alter any of my my daily patterns. Um, I, I sort of forced upon myself to, to wake up at the same time in the morning, even though I didn't need to. Um, you know, sort of keep that that bulk of the day um, separate where I would be working, uh, making sure I was doing physical activity, preferably in the mornings, um, just to sort of start the day off, get your metabolism fired up, and just to you know get a level of focus. Um, and I think that that worked for me really well. Um, but aside from that, I was like um, like Dip said, um, I also took it as an opportunity to you know basically apply myself to stuff that I hadn't done before. Um, yeah. Be that like you know just doing some DIY around the house or you know working in, on the garden and stuff, um, which you know I'm sure I'm sure the lads are sick of me talking about the lawn now. Um, so so I, don't, I don't really bring it up anymore. Next uh, podcast gardening tips. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that, that is a separate podcast in itself. You know, <laughs> um, I'll that to you guys, but I do think, personally speaking, that I think um, a lot of anxiety and you know a lot of a lot of these aspects that people suffer with, it is about um, you know getting a, a, a set of tools together for yourself to mm. to basically apply um, and 
you know, to, to try and adhere to. Um, and that level of organisation is what, you know, is, is a, a level of self-discipline that's required to, to try and get through, like, um, you know, be that, you know, being locked down in your house or, or you know, more generally speaking, you know, like if, if you are sort of questioning, um, you know, other aspects of, of your, your life and existence. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm sure we yeah. Go ahead, Ian, sorry. Uh, for me, um, wow, just trying to cast my mind back. I mean, from a work perspective, um, we didn't have any history of working from home as a company, so oh, wow. it was having to get people in a situation within two weeks where uh, they had the equipment. Um, and then, because well-being is important to our company and, and kind of how the culture of the company works, that probably for me, the first two or three weeks, the vast majority of my time was spent on the phone, um, speaking to people, checking in with them, making sure they were okay, making sure they were settling in, um, making sure that, I guess they felt as good as they could do because some people took to it straight away and, and you know, uh, and, and kind of got giddy about the idea of not having the commute and, and mm. not having to be in the office. Um, nobody in my particular area of work, but I know one person confided in a, in a head of and said, um, I love not having to go into the office because um, I didn't like the people that I worked with. It was a, it was a it, there was a bad atmosphere between two or three of us. Right. We weren't getting on, and now and now I don't have to deal with that. So, you know, for that particular person, they they were loving it. But yeah, for me, mm. the vast majority was spent speaking to people. Then it settled down after about three or four weeks, and then, like you said, it was a case of for me trying to find a a rhythm and a cadence of uh, making sure that I kind of got up at my usual time, even though I didn't have to um, logging on when um, kind of first thing to trying to get that rhythm of work going. Yeah, um, and, and just trying to stay in contact with the team because of course, moving from a situation where you've got people sat with you all the time in an office and then going to virtual um, you know that was that was tricky trying to manage that um, and, uh, and making sure that people still felt connected and that they weren't felt they weren't feeling isolated and left adrift mm. um, so that was hard and uh, a couple of you have touched on it I, you know there's people in, in, in my kind of office where some of them are single parents or they've got partners who uh, due to their job were going out and working um, right. and you know massive massive admiration for anybody that managed to blend um work with homeschooling or just mm -hmm. looking after the kids. Definitely. I don't I don't I don't know how they did it. Um and there was there were several conversations that I had, particularly with mothers who were putting so much pressure on themselves because they were trying to run the perfect house, deliver perfectly in the job. Um they felt like they were letting the kids down if they weren't doing, you know, the yeah. maths and the science and history or whatever it might be. So there's several conversations I had with people to kind of talk them through that to just kind of try and reframe it so that they weren't putting themselves under this huge pressure um, uh, because you know if they if they continue to do that it's going to be break. And for me personally, um, uh, my daughter lives in another part of the country, so because of lockdown, uh, myself and her mum took the decision that uh, my daughter wouldn't travel. So that was quite hard in the beginning, but um, I kind of told myself that the earliest I would probably see her based on the R rate and all the information that was coming out was probably going to be July. And having that thought process definitely helped because if I'd been living day by day or week by week, it would have got to the following week and it would have been all right, I'm not seeing it. I feel really kind of upset or disappointed about that. Mm. But playing that longer game, we touched on it earlier, kind of having that view of this is this is a, a, a game of patience rather than it being right here and now. 
yeah um, that def- that definitely helped um and uh, you know like Jeremy, um i kind of moved in with my missus um for several weeks months um and she was amazing in terms of just keeping the house ticking over and keeping the kids kind of in check and uh basically looking after me whilst i got on the work there wasn't very much that i needed to do so you know uh, if we need to edit that bit out as well uh, <laughs> are you are you you're also and, looking uh, out yeah you're also wanting that pass out for tomorrow night. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I i hope she listens to this and uh she yeah. it. there's a lot there's a lot of spells and shouts out shout outs going here <laughs> So Ian, Ian, I imagine that obviously you with um, the the your work situation and managing people, there were. I mean, it sounds like we're actually uh, quite fortunate, and um, with our own personal situations, although we might have had our own challenges. But I suppose, like you mentioned, the single parents, um, and we uh, and the people who actually don't have anyone else actually that they live with so they're on their own at home yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i imagine it was it was very difficult for for those types of people and um obviously even even going deeper into that um you know people who come from abusive households or and going to work going into the office was actually um a, a, a bit of a break from what their home life yeah, yeah. was um so yeah I, I do count my blessings when when i do think yeah. of those those people um, so, yeah. yeah, it's a valid point, Graham, because I've heard mm. conversations where, um, you know, like you said, we're fortunate, but um, there's, there's people that, for example, may have a studio flat or mm. a one-bedroom apartment where no garden, for example, no yeah. garden. So you know, you're not getting, they're not getting that, um, you know, that that flexibility. For example, mm. you know, some of us can set up an office in a room but then still have the rest of the house to call you know our own our social hub if you will whereas yeah. some people are struggling with the fact that they have they don't have that so they want to mm. go back into the office is, is, is what i'm hearing and and, mm. and i understand that perspective as well um i'm sure ian those conversations must have taken place as well um in your role with with people wanting to come back sooner rather than later um some um I think that there's certain examples within the workplace where I work where people were wanting to come back in either because the environment that they lived in just didn't lend itself well to working from home, maybe because, um, you know, that maybe there wasn't the space or they lived in a house where, mm. uh, you know, there might be multiple house people sharing houses and or sharing rooms in a house and it was very difficult to kind of work in peace and quiet. We have a, you know, a fast kind of call centre. so. If the house is quite noisy and busy whilst it's not impossible for them to speak to customers it makes it very very difficult so we have had some people uh go back into the office as recently as this week um not many oh, okay. um, the numbers aren't large but but that has happened mm. um in actual fact most people certainly for the area that i work in haven't spoken about a desire to want to go back but what they mm. have spoken about is a fear around having to go back into the office if COVID is still in play, even though the the risk might be much lower because it could be that they live with somebody who is perceived as being vulnerable. um, And therefore they're worried that if they had to go back out and do the daily commute again, um, or just simply be back in the office, does that increase their risk of catching it? And even though they're fit and healthy, do they then bring that home? And then that causes problems. So um, there's definitely been examples of people where you know, they've wanted to come back into the office because they feel isolated. 
you know, uh, their family might live in another part of the country or their, 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 their main friends might live in another part of the country. But interestingly, for, for my particular area that I work in on the flip, it's been more about a concern about, okay, well, at the point where we do need to go back to work, how, how does that work? How is it going to work? And mm. it's kind of that fear of the unknown because you can't predict when that's going to be. We don't know what the timeline is. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that people are a lot better now than they were, obviously, when it first started. Um, in terms of everything that happened, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think the next build-up um, that we might have to then manage uh, and manage it well is those that have that anxiety about going back in mm-hmm. um, if they're not in a position where they can work from home, or, or as a company we choose not to allow people to work from home. Which I think we will, and we've got things in place like a lot of companies where not only are we going to continue to work from home, but I think that the culture of work across the country is going to change so that homeworking is going to become a much bigger thing. So I think that those people that are worried about it probably don't have much to worry about, but it doesn't stop them worrying nonetheless because that's that's what's kind of their concern at the minute. Yeah. Mm. Um, what, what also I find quite interesting is when we're talking about our, our personal journeys in terms of, you know, the last four months, um, is that knowingly or unknowingly what we've actually referenced um, um, somewhat it are the five ways to well-being i'm not sure if like and i've only i only know this because i've researched for this particular podcast right so mm-hmm. and ian probably knows those 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 five ways to well-being um essentially they're five steps that um help that can help you improve your mental health and well-being um essentially they make you feel a bit more positive and able to enable you to get the most out of your life um, so, for example, we've talked about connectivity, essentially connecting with friends, families, and so on and so forth. We've talked about being active, which I think we've all talked about that. We've talked about, there's one called taking uh, taking notice, which uh, is essentially enjoying um, and taking in what's around you, enjoying the mm. moment and, uh, and really making the most of it. Um, the fourth one is learn, uh, continue to do you know, continue to learn um, because apparently it, it enhances your self-esteem and encourages social interaction. I don't think my cooking falls into that category yet, but <laughs> learn is there. And then the last one, and the last one is give. <laughs> the last one is give um, of the five. The last one is give, which is giving and kindness can can help improve your mental well-being. Um, so I, I think. In a weird way, we've we have referenced, or we have you know, without maybe knowing, we've we've somehow done those things. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I've I mean, I I've never heard of those before, um, uh, but I definitely recognise what you were saying. I was like, yeah, yeah, shit, I did that. I, yeah, I was doing that, and maybe um, yeah, uh, I can. I, yeah, I wasn't going for that. Well, I want to be well. This is what you have to do. But um, yeah, it seems like I've probably done bits of those all the way through that through this um yeah it's been, it's been good i've definitely actually found different ways to occupy my mind and spend more time with the girls so my connection with them is um is even better than it was before the, the wife as well um and then even on the zoom calls as well you're kind of forced mm-hmm. to actually start um having interactions with maybe people that you probably wouldn't have done on that regular basis um, so, you know, even as a friends group, sometimes we'd go without seeing each other for a couple of weeks, three weeks, because we're just busy with our lives. But the Zoom calls were actually more regular than actually meeting up, um, yes. which, was, which was a good thing. 
So yeah, just from a professional standpoint, um, you know those those five points, the, those five steps that, mm-hmm. I, that I listed. Are those something that you encourage um, within your business or even your personal life, or um, are they something that um, you know? How how do you essentially encourage those in your business or even in, in your personal life to 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 improve their mental health um, and generally their well-being? Or what advice do you give them? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like like Emmy um, touched on without realizing it, we're kind of already doing yeah. it. I think that yeah. almost all of them are inherent in us all the time. We kind of we might not do them consistently, but we do we definitely do them. And I think that you know, again, we talk about as, as sad as it's been and as hard as it's been in terms of um, you know the number of people that have sadly passed away. Mm. The opportunity, the opportunity, and the benefit that it's brought to many many people yeah. to connect more with others and to you know reflect and think about what's important. And, to maybe make changes to the life that perhaps otherwise they've been putting off because they've kind of just been stuck with their own thoughts about actually, you know, you know, is the life that I'm leading, am I happy? Um, do I need to change things up? Um, it doesn't have to be drastic changes. It might just be small things. You know, Dick, she talks about, you know, changing up the, the routine at the gym, mm-hmm. you know, something like that, that, um, you know, really kind of gives you a, a sense of, uh, of kind of, uh, of achievement and, and sense of this feels different it feels better i feel like i'm getting more from it just simple little things like that can be good so from a work perspective um we have um first we have mental mental health first aiders which is a a relatively new concept that's uh, been around the last few years so if anybody is really really struggling uh with anything from a well-being perspective they can call on people that have been specially trained up you know if you if you've injured you you know if you've burnt yourself on the kettle at work it's fairly straightforward to see that and to understand what to do to be able to fix it. But the things like anxiety, depression, it's a lot harder to be able to kind of see that and people hide it very well. So um, there's the opportunity for, for somebody to be able to speak to somebody who's been specially trained. We have uh, something called our Thrive Ambassadors who are kind of, a, I guess, a, a well-being um, group who um, share and and encourage people to take part in things that are linked to well-being. So it could be things like yoga, could be meditation, um, could be uh, an opportunity where a group gets together and just talks about stuff. So they've had groups where people who uh, have either suffered from or are suffering from anxiety and or depression, there's an opportunity for people to get together and talk if they want to do that, or they can just simply listen if they're not prepared or, or don't feel comfortable talking. Um, we can put them in touch with a, an on-site uh, counsellor or psychologist um, which has been incredibly popular and oversubscribed, um, not just last year, but uh, unsurprisingly this year as well. So, yeah, as a company, I think that um, they, they've done a lot um, and, and continue to do lots in terms of making sure that kind of the well-being of colleagues is at the forefront. And uh, I think there's a lot of companies out there that are doing the same. Um, there's probably some companies that need to do better. Um, but, you know, even if you think back five years ago, um, things like well-being and mental health weren't really being discussed mm. too much um, in the workplace, um, and, uh, and I think that's probably because a lot of people were worried to do or say something and make it worse. Yeah. Mm. Um, but actually, actually, often the best thing you can do is just listen uh, when people are finding things difficult because they've probably kept kept it in for a long, long time, uh, and just the relief of kind of getting it off the chest and talking about it would be the first step to then to then addressing it. So. Yeah, there's lots of opportunities that people have, uh, different touch points within the company, either through more informal stuff like the mental first health, 
uh, mental health that they dissolve the drive ambassadors that they have um, to something more specialized and, and, and to be able to speak to somebody who's specifically trained to deal with mental health such as counselors or psychologists etc so yeah feel pretty lucky um, that the company provides all of that um, and um, uh, yeah long may it continue and I think it's probably going to become a, a, a kind of a bigger and more growing industry in the next five to ten years as uh, more and more people start to realize that it's kind of it's okay to discuss things and you know I'm a YouTube something at the start in terms of men and uh, kind of the stigma around that and that's starting to improve but there's still a lot of work to be done um, so um, hopefully that will continue um, but yeah from a from work perspective uh, people have that support and that those kind of processes in place to be able to help them uh, if they're really struggling to find a different Yeah, I, I personally think that that whole talking aspect is is quite paramount because I think uh, you know aside from like the you know the, the practical solutions that you can employ, um, I think where where the whole sort of um, the whole completing the cycle on 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 help and therapy and treatment, I think ultimately, you know, starts and ends with, with talking, which I think, you know, being, yeah. you know, sort of, um, you know, even amongst us lads and, you know, men generally, I think that's something that we all sort of struggle with to, to an extent. And I think, um, I think, if, you know, I think opening up and sharing like is, is, is really important because although it's not a subject that, you know, we might not sort of touch on in, in great detail. But you'll always find that, you know, if, if, if you sort of scratch a little, you know, if you dig a little deeper, you'll you'll tend to find that people have, you know, a lot of insight on, on this subject. But yeah, I completely agree. It's not it's not easy for everyone to to come out and you know the stigma associated with it is definitely something that needs to needs to be addressed. I think um, going forward, um, I think that you know, I think there is. You know, it in that direction, but I think uh, definitely it's something that um, you know, it, it should be should be uh, you know part parcel of, 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 of this this topic. Hats off to yeah, hats off to your the, your workplace though, Ian. It yeah. looks like they're making yeah. some real real forward steps um, in all this. I don't know whether they have things like that in place, but as Ubi said, that uh, it's always. It's almost like if you've got an outlet like a mental health first aider or a Thrive ambassador, um, you know, you're going to go and see them or you're going to be yeah. more keen to chat to someone who's who you don't know, potentially, or someone who doesn't yeah. know you on that mm-hmm. personal level. Yeah. Um, so I, I know from a from a lad's perspective, that actually might be, be easier if that's available. Yeah. 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 I, I suppose that's the thing, though, obviously, you know, um, He's lucky that he's, he's got that in his company and stuff, but I don't think, you know, we are sort of independent workers and stuff. We don't necessarily have mm. that, that kind of a that kind of outlet, you know, to you know, yeah, seek yeah. that sort of impartial um discussion. Definitely. I sometimes tell myself to talk to my HR yeah. and then quickly realise I am my own HR. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. Yeah. But at the same time, um, just picking up on what Ubi said, I think, I think also sometimes it goes back to the whole, um, you know, the pressure that men, for example, may put on themselves. Yeah. That you know, for example, for example, I may want to have a conversation and I don't have the access that Ian's company provide. But mm. what's stopping me from going to talk to Gurney about whatever that issue might be? 
um, is, what barrier am I, am I putting up that's stopping me from doing that? Is it pride? Is it the fact that a friend of mine will see me in a different way? When essentially, in my opinion, you know, if you hold that person in high enough regard, you should be able to have those conversations with them. And I think what, and correct me if I'm mistaken, but I think what you may find is that more often than not, those people that you talk to or that circle of people that you speak, that you confide in are probably going through their own, you know, whatever that might be. And you've probably got a lot in common when it comes to certain subjects or, you know, um, but yeah, I I think sometimes you don't have to look too far from what's on your doorstep. And I think sometimes we may, as a society and just maybe as men, we may have that ego or pride um, and overthink it when really what you may need is just on your doorstep. You don't have to go too um, too far. Yeah, I completely agree on it, like, yeah, definitely. But even if, uh, you know, even if you are looking for, you know, a more impartial discussion, um, Mm. there's plenty of opportunity to go talk to your GP and, you know, they they can get you in touch with someone very quickly. Um, You know, uh, the NHS does, you know, obviously it's a a big topic at the moment and they can put you in touch with like, you know, any counselling or or any other sort of therapies that you might, you might think are, are not there for you. So, but yeah, I, I personally think that the whole talking element of it and actually discuss, discussing how you're feeling is is paramount in, in this uh, yeah. Yeah. in this topic because I think you, you know you can push the you can push the practicality, you can work out, you can do all that sort of stuff, but ultimately it comes to head. You know, it's like you know you might find something that works for you now. You know, if you if you you know feeling anxiety and stuff like that, but that might not work for you in six months' time. So yeah. again, you, you know, you're down that road again. It's like, well, what do I do now? You know, where, where, where should I turn to now? And I, I definitely think like people with anxiety and stuff, it is, a, it is a subject where you have to sort of suck it and see. You have to see what works for you. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, it's, it's a dynamic subject because what might work for you now might not work for you in six months' time. True. Yeah. And I think uh, I think going back to Amy's point about, you know, why, why perhaps don't people speak to the you know their inner circle and their close friends and it comes down to a game of judgment the reason we don't have those conversations or sometimes we convince ourselves that we don't or shouldn't have those conversations because we judge ourselves and we tell ourselves stories that well they're dealing with their own stuff therefore i shouldn't bother them mm-hmm. they've got enough going yeah. in their lives or there's a fear of being judged by the other person that perhaps they might be ridiculed or yeah. they're going to point the finger and, yes. and say well you know how dare you bring this to my door i don't have time for this so we, we create these stories in our mind and, and that's just enough to say actually I'm not going to bother because yeah. if I if I open myself up and make myself vulnerable yeah. particularly with friends and particularly with lads as well who for the most part their conversations are all about teasing and making fun of each other yeah. am I prepared to put am I prepared to put myself out there and tell them my deepest darkest secret um, yeah. for fear of how that might be perceived or who are they going to tell next so as a result we then don't do anything yeah. Um, yeah next, next thing you know, it's on the group WhatsApp chatting and you're getting drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very jovial. But, 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 but this is the thing, and you know, Ubi said absolutely, you know, you can go down a GP route if that's necessary. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have come across it before, it's starting to get more traction, but there's a, a charity called Andy's Man's, Man's Club, oh, um, yeah. which is a specific, specific charity to help men talk about mental health. Yeah. Um, so, it, I think the first session he ever had, he had like five people in a, in a, in a, in a 
social club somewhere. Yeah. Um, and now it's running at hundreds, not thousands of people. Wow. Um, he's been he's been awarded by I think he's been awarded a MB or OB, some type of award mm. because of all the work wow. that he's done. Um, and that charity started because I don't know if it was his brother or his brother-in-law, but somebody that he was very very close to committed suicide. Um, and he now does public, public speaking where he comes into workplaces talks about his background and what he went through. He was previously a, a rugby league player, played for Halifax and Leeds, um, but now goes around and talks to people, not just men, men and women, but the charity specifically for men who might be struggling with anxiety, depression, and, and encourages them to talk about it, and not have that fear of being judged. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's gaining more traction as well and more popularity and yeah. is a really good route for, for men who otherwise might not want to speak to their friends. Yeah again they, they can go to these groups and they're probably not going to know anyone else in that room and they can speak open and freely and, and you know just dump a lot of stuff that they've kind of been it's been sat on the chest for weeks months maybe years yeah and, and try and start that healing process yeah I think, I think going back to what we were saying i think the whole i think there is an expectation that you know being the man you need to be the you know the stronger person or you know you need to be able to sort of be resilient to you know these sort of things and i think that you know, I think to an extent we all sort of suffer from from that that you know that sort of level of pride to, to just you know actually open up yeah. and say you know what this is this is what I'm vulnerable vulnerable about or this is what's getting me down. I think I think that's definitely something that um, you know it should be something that uh, we should all sort of take stock. Mm, for sure. Well, so, I mean, I, I've related to a lot of the things that have been said in terms of just keeping my feelings to myself and yeah. just kind of getting on with things. Um, but for the record, if any of you guys wanted to chat to someone, me, um, I'm there for you. But yeah. I, I, maybe this is a question for Ian. Like, how, how would you, how do you react when someone is actually reaching out and um, trying to share their feelings. I mean, personally, I, I don't know how I w would react. Like, would I try giving them advice or would I just try to listen? You know, what what would I, what's the best thing to do if someone did actually start uh, to... Um, I think definitely listening is a, is a huge thing. I think that um, we all like to think we've got the best advice. Um, and if someone's really struggling with something, um, you might be able to, if you've been in the same situation as them before, you might be able to offer some insight into how you dealt with it, what worked for you. But going back to a point you've been made earlier, everybody's journey is different. So what worked for you might not work for somebody yeah. else. If you've never been in that situation before, I think the main thing is is listening, uh, empathy in terms of uh, kind of what they're going through. Um, and depending on the circumstance and the topic, um, you know, encourage them to seek kind of professional advice. So, you know, if one of us was to come to the other group and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm really struggling. Um, I really find it hard to get out of bed. Um, I find mm. it hard to motivate myself. Um, you know, I'm having these these dark thoughts and I don't know how to stop it. And if I don't say something, it, you know, it could turn really serious. Naturally, you're not going to be in a position to be able to provide any yeah. guidance on that at all. Other than just reassure and reassure them and let them know that you're there for them, that they're not on their own. Um, but in terms of telling them, you know, how they can fix it, that's not something you can fix for them. They have no. to fix it themselves. But what you can do is encourage them and point them in the right direction. So yep. I think that it, it depends on your own kind of characteristics and your own personality traits, because everyone deals with this differently. But 
I think if I got a sense that someone was about to, or was trying to tell me something that perhaps they were finding really difficult, I think I would just kind of pause the conversation and just kind of explain to them that, you know, whatever you tell me is, is, is in confidence just between me yeah. and you. Mm. Yeah. You can talk to me about anything at all. And if all you want me to do is just listen, I will just listen. If you're looking for advice, if you're looking for, um, you know, ideas on what you could do, then, you know, I'll try and do that for you as well. But if all you want me to do is listen, then I'll just do that. And when I've been in that situation before, the other person knowing that you, you just want to listen and, and hear what's being said, again, something that they might have sat with for months, years maybe, or they may have tried to speak, they may have tried to chat to somebody about it before, but that other person has gone into that judgment game. And mm. the other person that was trying to tell the other person what was wrong, then they gave up and, and it's taken them, you know, months or, or years to get back up the courage to talk about it again. So, yeah, I think just listening, making sure that they know that you're there for them um, and that that if they need to talk about it again or they need to come back to that topic, it's not a problem, it's not an issue. Um, but yeah, if, if, it's something that's, if it's something that's particularly serious and it definitely seems like it needs medical help, then it's encouraging them to take that first brave step and book that appointment um, yeah. because, you know, there are some things that you can do through talking therapy, but there are times when you do need medication um, and that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. um, because you have to sometimes take the medication to be able to allow the talking therapy to work if you need to go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thankfully, most situations aren't that serious. So if it's just, you know, somebody saying, I've got a bit of an issue and I'm not sure what to do with it, then yeah, just, just listening and being there for them is more than enough and is often all they need. And what you do tend to find is when people start talking about it, because they've internalized it so much, as they start to talk about it, they start to come up with their own ideas about how they can solve it. Mm. But they've never they've never come up with those ideas before, but it's because they're saying it out loud and something in the brain starts to fire different pathways, different, um, different neurons, and they then start to formulate something that might quite work. You know, and then you, if, if they're coming up with the ideas themselves, then you re- there's nothing really that you need to do with it. They just go, okay, well, you know, which one do you think sounds like the, the thing that you most likely want to do? What, what do you think is going to be the, the have the biggest impact? Mm. What's the what's your favourite option out of those ones? So, yeah, those would be the kind of the, the main hints and if someone were to come and confide in you and they had a problem. Um, yeah, just listening, just being there for them, demonstrating yeah. empathy. Great advice, though. It's good advice. Yeah, one of the things that you, men- that you mentioned there, actually being up front and, and saying, look, we're, I'm here for you. And, but, you know... Yeah. If, let me know if you just want me to listen or whether you want some advice and so, uh, somewhere that I can help you solve whatever you're going through. Um, I think that's that's something that I would definitely take home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and also another point was uh, that I found quite interesting was the fact that I think a lot of the time people, um, you know, even if it's us as friends, if you want to speak to one another, sometimes just that, just that talking helps lift a lot of the stress lift a lot of the um, anxiousness and the anxiety um so yeah there's some real good take-homes there Ian, uh, from, from, from some of the stuff we've mentioned yeah. um i just wanted to touch on um before we wrap up i just wanted to touch on um again in terms of people's well-being and um, anxiety levels etc and, and well-being um the lo- lockdown has been eased now and um how do we feel as a group about that? Because I, I mean, I know people, for example, that um, are finding it difficult to then to now reintegrate with society after four months. Not in a oh, you know, they've gone all weird, but more so a, a fear factor, I think. 
And I think based on what the government said that, you know, uh, sorry, the Office of National Statistics said that between March and now, you know, the, the, um, people are, are happier, for example, and it's because they've adapted. But I will see, surely we'll see another um, spike in people's, you know, mental health being impacted by uh, the easing of the lockdown because obviously we've got the you know there's all this um, discussion about the next wave um, and some countries are already seeing it so how I mean how do we feel about the easing of the lockdown um, and, uh, and and the second wave from a well-being perspective I think for me personally I think it's in terms of the the science of the virus basically says that I think the lock, the easing of the lockdown and second spikes and stuff is inevitability, I think, personally speaking. Um, so that's not something that that really worries me. What, but the the fear factor in terms of the easing of the restrictions is... Mm. I, I don't want to use the word like institutionalised, but obviously like reintegrating you know, after four four months of like, you know, pretty much living like a hermit indoors, you know, your options in terms of, you know, going out and stuff, um, you don't really, I mean, sort of pre-lockdown, it would be a case of, oh, we're, you know, we have a wife, like, oh, we're free at the weekend, why are we going to town, you know, do a bit of shopping, you know, grab coffee or something, whatever. Whereas now, like, because we've had like four months of living indoors, it's a case of, well, you know, do we, you know, it doesn't really present itself as an option anymore. Not not because it's not there, but more because, like, we don't, we haven't really sort of mentioned it as, as an option up until the point of, like, maybe, like, last week where we said, oh, should we go into town? And then, obviously, not, you know, my wife was a bit, like, apprehensive at first. And then she's like, oh, yeah. And then, she, you know, she was like, this is really bizarre. We used to do this all the time, but, you know, it's not something that, uh, you know, I've ever been apprehensive about before, but yeah, I sort of feel it now. And I think... The other aspect of it is that obviously with all the restrictions that are still in place, uh, for me personally, I find it's uh, you know it's a bit melancholy in the sense that you go out and then you know you have to sort of maintain distance. Um, we we went out last weekend. Obviously, we had to sit at our own table, uh, and obviously we had you know we had a great time amongst ourselves and stuff. But then you know you sort of start thinking, no, that well, well, when is everything going to be as it was? Yeah, um, you know. Um, beginning of March 2020, like when 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 is that when is that life going to come back? And for me personally, I find that quite, you know, you know, a bit of a bit of a, a dull thought really, because uh, you know it, it, that whole level of getting back to normality. Um, part of me thinks that part of me is the worry is that normality. What is normality going to look like in the future? Um, you know, and fingers crossed, you know, things get back to. The way the way they were, but um, you know, how long is that actually going to take? Um, you know, based on what we're seeing in terms of the virus progression and stuff like that. Mm. At the moment, it's just not for me. It's uh, not. This is the new normal, isn't it? It's yeah. And and actually, um, doing something different to this, um, as as what's been said, is is going to be the anxiety for me going back to the office when it actually eventually happens mm. um, because there's you know there's there's hundreds of people in my office and sometimes um, you know hygiene levels can be questionable but not only that you not only that you're you're um, 
you're, you're in a you're in an office in a in a small office. Um, oh, actually, it's quite a large office that I work in, but a very small kitchen that's shared with 50, 60 people in in the section that I'm in. Actually, probably even more than that. Maybe actually touching the hundred mark. Um, and we're all using this kitchen. You know what? That's that's a, a potential disaster. That is, you know, with what's going on. Um, you know, we're, so yeah, I, I can't personally see it happening soon because of the risk level on that. Uh, but for, certainly for me, um, this is I, I've, I've really uh, managed to kind of ba- uh, have a really good life, work-life balance, and yeah. um, uh, and in that sense, you know, I'm getting lots of work done during the day. But because I don't have a commute, I've got longer with my with my family yeah. and friends, and you know, I have a lot more time to do other things. So yeah, that's one aspect I'm I'm going to really find adjusting when we go back to what it used to be like if that ever happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, the, the positive outlook certainly resonates with me as well, Germs, because mm. what I'm trying not to do, unless someone sort of probes and asks, is, is think too far ahead. Yeah. Mm. And think about next year or what the new normal looks like because you know, let's be honest, right? Nobody knows when what, how and if. Yeah. I think if anything we've learned from the past four months, wind back to March, right, is nothing's guaranteed. You know, we had all these plans in March, April to do things, go away, see friends, all these fixtures. I mentioned at the start we were getting into a good habit where we had a really sort of good social um rhythm going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I fully expect that to continue as we went through the spring, summer months, as you know, as we are now. Yeah. But but clearly, what we've seen from lockdown is suddenly the drop of a hat that can all completely change. Yeah. 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 I, I, and I don't want this to come across as a um, a shadow, um, a negative, because it's not. All I'm trying to say is, well, we're now in a different phase. Why worry about what's going to happen next year or? when or if we're going to get back to normal like I mentioned yeah. just embrace just embrace where we are now it's, it's new we're all learning either look at it positively or you look at it negatively I know which side I'm going to look at and just try and look at the, the opportunities that's being presented in front of you mm-hmm. do you know what I mean okay fair enough so we went out last Saturday and I think you're right it's a different situation where we have to get a table yeah. but I think well on the flip side we don't have to queue up anywhere yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was saying the same dip. Sorry, I was saying the same. Like, just I, went into, I went into the local pub where you'd normally have to stand at the bar, but it was table service yeah. for a couple of times. <laughs> and I yeah. can't argue with that. Yeah. Exactly. There's no queues. You know, you can pretty much plan your night out a little bit. I'm not saying plan it to death, but um, there's definitely positives, and I'm, I'm just, I think. I've, you know, my message is I've said it a couple of times already now but just take each day as it comes that's my approach yeah. you don't know what's going to happen two months two weeks two days even right Boris could turn around tomorrow and say you know what our, our rate's gone up to you know double figures or whatever that's it locked down from immediate effect we don't know that yeah. mm. so I think just take each day as it comes yeah. I think um, the one thing that that, that we've that we've just said in the, in the last couple of minutes that really resonated with me was what um, was what Germy said um, off the top when he said that um, this is the new norm uh, for him and that now anything going back to work would be an adjustment you'd have to make. It, you know, mm-hmm. it would almost um, that would conjure up some feelings of you know um, anxiety, etc. 
that is very much the type of mindset um, or the type of approach um, that I've, I've seen myself have. Mm. And yeah, this this is very much the norm, you know. And, and the thing is, this, the working from home culture and, and that having that sort of work-life balance is so important to mental well-being, I believe. You know, companies um, outside of the UK have been doing it for years. Um, you know, we had John on our, on our last podcast from New York, and 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 you know, he works for um, a large uh, a bank, but he has he's had that you know dynamic working um, aspect and had a great work-life balance because of that for years. So I think it's more a case of um, yeah, just not looking too far ahead, embracing this and, and looking at the opportunities like for example this podcast you know I, I don't think I would have or we as a group would have been able to give it the, the time if we were living our normal nine to fives mm. um, so you know just just a small you know something so I totally agree with what Graham said anything outside of this to me won't be normal now mm, oddly enough <laughs> I, I, th- I don't think the, the you know where I mentioned that I was quite giddy at first it's I'll probably be more, <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd probably be more anxious returning back to what was the normal ones, um, but not only because I, the you know COVID's still out there, um, and you know if there's a, if there's a vaccine, fair enough. My, my anxiety levels would probably be less, but certainly going out into the wild, almost um, yeah, getting on public transport, going to work, interacting with people face to face. Um, would cause a level of anxiety, um, yeah. you know. Uh, I think one thing that kind of springs to mind is that everything we've seen over the past four months, right, in terms of the pandemic, it, in many ways, it, it was going to happen anyway. It, it, it's just the pandemic accelerated it, right? Let me give a couple of examples. Um, so this whole sort of working from home situation and people not working in offices, that, that's what's, that, you know, that was happening. Right. Mm. I've just spent the past two years working on a program where we're reducing 13 offices to four offices and getting people to work from home more often. Yeah. So you, the pandemic yeah. accelerated that. Mm. You know. Secondly, think about social distancing. That was happening. People spend more time on Instagram, um, on dating apps like Tinder, and less time at the pub on a Friday night. Mm. So you know, there's, there's probably other examples that show otherwise, but um, and more examples that show you know what I'm saying, but. The point I'm making is what we've seen is an acceleration of what was bound to happen anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely a good way of looking at it. I think, I mean, you've, you've obviously worked for a very forward-thinking company. Um, yeah. I know um, some some of, some companies have actually had trust issues or whatever their yeah. preconceptions of actually their, their employees working from home, yeah. what they would actually do. Um, yeah. And, you know, would they just be watching loose women or whatever what homes under that homes under the hammer you know <laughs> yeah yeah of entourage yeah yeah, yeah yeah you know what 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 are they actually doing with their time but i think this like you said it's been accelerated and companies have been forced to set up yeah. um situations where their employees can work from home and yeah. i think they've, they've been they've seen they've seen totally opposite what, what their preconceptions were People are doing work at home. If anything, they're probably being more productive. Um, I know I have. I, I know I personally have a bit of a pressure, my own pressure on top of my head that um, 
you know, I need I need to be at work. I need to be at my laptop working. So I'm actually having less breaks than I would when I was at work. Um, and I'm definitely, you know, spending more time on my laptop than I, than I was at work. So, yeah, it's, 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 yeah I'm, I'm being more productive for sure. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that work-life balance, I think, for me anyway. Okay. And, and also, you know, I, I know we've talked, you know, in and amongst all of this, um, the, 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 the well-being aspect, the mental health aspect, it's really come to the fore and it's really forced businesses, it's really forced you know, people to look at themselves, I think. Um, and I think that's another, um, I don't know if you can call it a silver lining, but sure, silver lining, mm. it's another silver lining that, you know, that conversation, which from a society perspective is a bit of a stigma, is now happening. I don't think we would have discussed it if it wasn't for yeah. the situation that we find ourselves in. So, mm. so yeah, I mean, um, I think exactly. I mean, it goes back to, it, it underlines what I'm saying. It, yeah. it accelerated that conversation happening, right? Yeah, it was always happening, as Ian mentioned, it was simmering, it was yeah. growing. The pandemic's literally taken that and put a, a narcotic in it. And it's gone from 0 to 100, hasn't it? In a split yeah. second. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I was trying to think yeah, of a narcotic then, but I don't know any. Good analogy. <laughs> 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 On that bombshell. <laughs> no, I, think, I think we could talk about this... You know, for, for, you know, for hours, but um, you, you know, I, I just want to bring it to a close, just to give Ian the opportunity to get, just, in closing, give any um, you know tips or um, point people in, the, in in any of the right any direction in terms of if they're looking for help. Um, Ian, uh, yeah, so some some quick hints and tips. I'll I'll try and make it brief. Just I know you boys need yeah, to no beauty sleep, so uh, we'll try and uh, try and make this quick. <laughs> we've, we've, we've kind of touched I... on a lot. We've kind of, we've kind of touched on a lot of them. I think I think the main thing is that with anxiety, it's that kind of fear of the future. Uh, it's that unknown. That's what drives that feeling. So I think that in terms of encouraging anybody to do anything, a simple exercise for them to go through is, is simply focus on what we can control not what is of concern and a real simple quick exercise you draw two circles on a page one uh, an outer circle one an inner circle almost think like a bullseye on a dashboard on the outer circle write all the things that are worrying you that are concerning you Ooh. doesn't matter what it is write them all down and then look at the ones that you can actually bring into the center circle that you can actually control and do something about they're the ones to focus on anything else that you can't bring into that center circle as hard as it might be you have to accept you can't control and therefore you need to let go of it. And that can massively mm. reduce down that feeling of anxiety. Um, wow. linked, linked to that is really trying not to dwell or ruminate on topics or ideas or situations that you're in. So often when people struggle with anxiety because they're dwelling on the same thing all the time. It could be a relationship, um, it could be a problem at work, it could be a money situation, but that becomes kind of a, an obsessive thought that's always in their head. And if you're dwelling on that all of the time, that then eventually turns into a spiral. So that's a hard thing to have to not do because we all have a natural instinct to dwell on stuff and think about stuff, particularly if, you're, if your default is to overthink and overanalyze. Mm. Um, mindfulness techniques can help. Um, I'm not going to really go into a lot about mindfulness. There's lots on the internet and there's books about it, but mindfulness is essentially starting to recognize your thoughts and feelings and recognizing particularly the emotions that you're having and how you can almost separate yourself from your emotions so that you take yourself away from dwelling about a particular issue. So for anybody that's listening, check out Mindfulness Online. There's a lot of stuff and techniques about that. 
Um, and that can, really help, that can really help you focus on what you can control. A great question to ask yourself if you're finding yourself in a bad spot, if you're telling yourself that things are really bad. Um, question to ask yourself is, what if the opposite were true? So you're telling yourself that you're not good enough, that maybe you're the person in the relationship that's always causing the problems, or that you're never going to get that promotion, or that um, you know you're never going to make your life better. Um, you know, asking yourself the question, what if the opposite were true, and actually then starting to kind of jot ideas down about what would need to happen for the opposite to be true. Um, so, for example, you know, I'm never going to get that promotion. Okay, well, what if the opposite were true? What would need to happen for you to get that promotion? Well, I'd need to do X and then I need to do Y and then I need to do Z. And again, I think when people dwell on ideas or things that are causing them to think of them as obstacles, all they do is think about the blocks. They don't think about the things that actually can help them. So mm. putting it in different terms and helping you to reframe it can be really, really useful. Um, we have definitely touched on this, though, the idea of gratitude. Um, so, you know, being super grateful for what you've got. It might not seem it right now, but we probably live in the best moment ever. Uh, when you think about the history of the world, you know, only 50, 60, 70 years ago, there was world wars, there was mass disease like polio, um, millions of people dying. And even though COVID is, you know, is, is what it is, we've probably lived in the best time ever to be living in the history of life yeah. ever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, when we think about it on those terms, um, that's really important. Some people choose to have a diary or a journal where they'll write down maybe two or three things daily that they're grateful for. Um, that can be massively powerful. Um, and mm. studies show that, again, the, the kind of the neural pathways in the brain, particularly if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, when you start to do a daily exercise of gratitude, um, it changes the, the synapses in the brain. So that um, kind of the, I guess, the, the toxins, the chemicals that can contribute towards that feeling of that feeling down. Um, they start to change so by no means is gratitude going to be the, the kind of the silver bullet but it's a suite of different things that you can do to be able to help when you're feeling that particular way um kindness again we've touched on it um you know one of the ways that you can really kind of lift yourself up is by doing something for somebody else um it's amazing how that can really lift your spirits you're not doing it for you you do it for somebody else you know it could be that you're doing something that doesn't cost anything um but that can be a real powerful way of being able to lift your spirits and feelings of kindness is massively important. And finally, if you're really struggling, you know, you might have had two or three days in a row where just things seem really down, you find it really hard to kind of contend with stuff. Um, I always encourage people to think about what they love doing um, and whatever that thing is, do that. So, you know, if your favorite thing is to watch an old film, you know, put that film on. If you love reading, read the book if you love spending time with your kids do that uh, it's very easy to become consumed by work and all the problems that we've got but actually thinking about the things that we do uh, that we love to do do some of that and that can be massively powerful as well in terms of just taking your mind off things um helping you to reset reframe um letting your mind kind of switch off or in some cases just wander because when you're watching that film or doing that other activity you don't even realize that your brain is trying to problem solve but it actually is in the background but it mm. needs that distraction to be able to then kind of come to some form of conclusion. So they would be kind of my quick and easy hints and tips. Um, I think it's important to caveat, like we said earlier, that, um, you know, for anybody that is really, really struggling, um, absolutely go get uh, and seek that kind of that specialist help, you know, that timing with that GP. Uh, these are hints and tips are fine. Um, they can be useful. Uh, but for anybody that's finding it really, really difficult and it's really struggling, um, then, that's where that specialist help and that professional help needs to be sought. 
and that then complements some of the stuff that I spoke about. And there's a ton of stuff, other ideas out there that can help. Um, they potentially could be uh, key in helping people recover uh, and put themselves in a much better place. I don't know um, if any of you guys could catch this, but um, whilst Ian was running off those top tips, we were all just nodding. I think just acknowledging yeah. the fact that there were some really, really great points being made there. Um, because yeah. for the listeners' sake, we can see each other on 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 a monitor um, because we're not in the same venue. But I, I think I'll just shut up because I think those tips are perfect. Um, yeah. And Ian, I just want to thank you. I think we've been on a real journey actually in the last hour. So um, mm-hmm. thank you yeah. for joining us and and really you know sharing some real gems in terms of the hints tips and shedding some light on you know well-being and mental health really appreciate it mm-hmm. you're welcome yeah great stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah thanks Ian. yeah Cheers, Ian. great stuff well thanks everyone for listening to the social distancing podcast um we'll see you next time <laughs>